More to Marketing. Welcome to More to Marketing, a podcast on marketing, product, and everything in between. I'm your host, Susan, and we're talking about product owners and product managers today because I wanted to ask the question, is there a difference? And to help me answer this question, I've brought in a very special international subject expert to join me. I'd love to welcome David. David is a thought leader in the product management space, a keynote speaker, and also a product coach. So David, can you tell me a bit more about your passion of um, product management and how you got here today? Thank you for inviting me. Yeah. So I started working with digital products around 15 years ago. And I didn't plan to be in this field. I was a software engineer. And out of the blue, someone got to know me and said, I like how you communicate. You make Mm. complex things simple. And then I ended up being a product owner. Mm -hmm. Moved from my small town to a big town, Sao Paulo in this case, the biggest in South America. And then since that moment, I worked as a product manager, head of products, startups, giant corporations. And then I moved from Brazil to Germany. And yeah, that's what I have been doing over the last 15 years. Sounds like an amazing journey to be able to even cross continents there as well. And all the fantastic experience, particularly I'd assume with startups, because startups would be absolutely crazy. Oh yeah, that's generally fun. And I'm in another startup I generally end up in startups all the time because I love this atmosphere of creating and mm. stepping into the unknown. All of the things push me. They really boost my motivation. And, and must feel so satisfying as well when you see the end result. Yes, that's the magic, right? Because generally in a startup, you have an idea and you end up with something totally different than your idea. And mm. it's magical because what matters is the journey. It's not starting with the idea and prove yourself right, but creating something that you didn't even know it is possible. Uh, I, I, I've i never been in a startup myself, but I can just, I, I, I'm all inspired by you to be able to do so many of them and the amazing things that you've done. But I, I suppose one of my, my leading questions I was asking in the intro was, I want to understand more about the difference between a product manager and a product owner, because I think there's a bit of a mismatch out there. So would you mind helping me to understand the difference between both of those? Sure. So this is a tricky question because, of course, it depends who you ask Mm. and how the companies work. But I've been in multiple scenarios where the answers would vary, and I came up with mine which is there's no difference. It should not be a difference. uh, The product owner is a role inside Scrum. Now it's called an accountability, but it's something inside a framework. And product manager is the job itself. And product management, it is about creating value for customers and the business, figuring out how you do that. And the product manager job is the best person to feel the product owner accountability. This is the best way of working and the simplest end-to-end responsibility. It doesn't matter the name, but the challenge happens when you have both. There are some frameworks that actually by design, they have both. Then what happens is that the product owner is responsible for the execution and the product manager for the strategy. It's kind of the product manager figures out what is the right thing to do and the product owner ensure this thing gets done right. But what is the problem there? There's a handover of accountability. And I've been in these scenarios, funny enough, on both sides, product owner and manager. 
as a product owner, if something would go wrong, the product manager would blame me saying like, mm-hmm. hey, poor execution. Yeah. And I would blame back saying for decision making. So it's not fun. It's better to have end-to-end responsibilities regardless of the name, because when they coexist, there's a lack of accountability. And that isn't helpful for anyone. I was fortunately in a position in an agile environment where I was the product manager for a brand, but also the product owner for the squad. So I found myself watching other product managers. It was a bit easier for me in the sense that I could do strategy and also put the prioritization order in place for the team to know how to get their successful goals happening. That's quite interesting. Uh, Other areas, though, uh, it was completely different where you had a separate person who may not even be part of that team being the product owner Mm -hmm. and having all these different SMEs coming in within that squad. So then they are literally separated and don't have, I, I believe it's not the right way to do it because I don't think they have their heart in it. If you're the product manager, you have the heart in it. You you want it to succeed. You want it to be amazing. But if you're separated and it's a different product owner running it, they may not have that same heart behind it. Yeah, because then it changes instead of being the product owner, which the ultimate goal is to maximize value. Mm-hmm. Actually, you become a kind of a backlog owner. So you own the backlog, but you have to manage the backlog. And your job is to keep feeling that and so on. It's it's not fun anymore. Mm. So then it loses the magic and the motivation, right? Because you are not the one, like you are kind of a, a in a ride, but as a passenger, you are not the driver any longer. So you you need to hope for the best. You hope that the, the driver knows. And where... avoids a lot of those speed bumps too. Yes. What I, I learned over the time is like many people ask me one specific question. How do I get the product owner and product manager to succeed together? And I say, you are not going to like the answer. You Mm -hmm. don't. I said, it's better to have smaller teams with smaller responsibility, but end to end and empower them to make decisions. So sometimes I see here in Germany, teams with 12 people, and there is a product manager and a product owner. I say, let's just do the following. Split into two teams of six and promote there is only one role then you choose if you want product owners product owner if you want product manager, product manager or you choose to something that is better i think it's product lead as the name product manager is a little bit misleading because mm. you don't manage anyone and the product owner doesn't own anything so I, I it's all about leadership but it's it's not about being on top of the others it is on the same level but leading the product direction so i like more the name product lead in general I, I I do like that as well because you are part of the team. You get your elbows in there as well. And generally you're put in with SMEs that are your peers. So you're working together for that common goal and then you may tell your leaders what's what's happening, how you're progressing and everything, but you're trusted to be able to deliver as per whatever your KPIs or your briefing is. Yes, that's true. Mm. So... Uh, as, as you've said yourself, there is this blurring that's been happening between what a product owner, product manager, and potentially product lead is. It, do, you, do you know of any key reasons why this might be happening out there? Yeah, 
It's because of a lack of trust and an extreme focus on predictability. So up to now, what I have seen is like companies want to know what happens when and who is accountable for that. Mm. So they believe in general that having a process is the best way. And if you have the product manager, it's very clear responsibility, have the product owner very clear, and you can focus on the process. And that is the problem. But I'm not saying that the companies are wrong. Mm -hmm. They just have not seen another way of working. So they need someone to get them on the journey to see another way of working. What I have seen over the years, like uh, some people try coming to the company saying, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. And then there will be a resistance. It's a direct flight, a fight. They are not going to change anything. Mm -hmm. But if you have the patience to tell, what if we try something different? Mm -hmm. Maybe we try something different with one team just for a quarter and then we compare results and if we like it we scale that up mm. so it's someone willing to take the company in a journey kind of a you know instead of going to the top of the mountain start sh uh, shouting hey here is very beautiful look at the sunshine how it is but they are in the bottom and they're yeah. getting to the top is super hard you go down and you meet them one step ahead and extend your hand and say let's go together on this i do love that and I think a recent example for me on this one is the team that I manage. I'm introducing a few of the agile methodologies just to help my team and to, to give them some direction to assist in what we're doing together. So one of the things I've brought in is a, a tiny little thing. It's not a huge thing, but it's just daily stand-ups for 10, 15 minutes where we literally just talk about what we're doing today, what we accomplish, what we're going to accomplish today. That's all we do. But it, uh, talking to the team, the feedback's been, this has given me a sense of a, accomplishment for the day when I get that tick done. I feel like I'm part of the journey. I feel like I'm going with you somewhere. So like you said, that small little piece can make a difference instead of just going me going in and going, we're doing agile, you're doing it this way only. Instead, I've just brought in the, the few little pieces I think make sense for the team I have. That's cool. Yeah, that has been my approach after hitting the wall i tried the other way already so that's why <laughs> it's not that i didn't try so i tried already implementing scrum without knowing the why we needed to implement and of mm -hmm. course caused more confusion because people didn't know why we were doing that and my last attempts were different actually we started doing scrum without saying we are doing scrum so very similar like what is the most beneficial right now yeah. one of the things was organizing um what we are going to achieve for the next two weeks and said so yep. let's sit down and say what can we do for the next two weeks let's set a goal for the week and then the team oh, that's cool let's set a goal and then we said let's go from there the team oh that's cool and then said by the end of the week what about we we just check what happened and how, how satisfied we are, what have we achieved. And then we discuss how we can do differently. Mm. And think, yeah, that sounds cool. And then in the end, we were actually doing Scrum, but it took a while. What I see the difference is when you start kind of evangelizing and say, this is what we do and so on, it, the team doesn't understand because that's not what I need. Mm. So companies do push like, what is the process? How do we ensure? And I say, you simply don't ensure if you do it correctly, it is about the learning. It's how you improve as a team. And I generally say, like, let's deal with the problems we do have that they are standing in front of us. And let's leave it out of the what ifs now, because the future problems, 
they may not even exist. So let's just not talk about them right now. Let's focus one step after the other. Definitely. And that's all about prioritization, isn't it? Doing like the Pareto rule, the 80-20. Focus on where you know you've got issues that you can see it. You know where the major hits are going to be. And then once that's done, that's what the backlog is for. Correct. I think I think one one of the things that I've noticed, and I, I don't know if you have, but I think it's important to keep a bit of a separation when it comes to the different types of roles. So for me, um, one of the questions that that I really wanted to ask you, because I know you're a subject expert here, and it's not usually like me to keep questioning, 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 but do you believe it's important to keep them separated? I know you said you don't, but is there really that middle ground for that product lead for everyone to start considering? In terms of separation, I think there is a balance between future and present. Mm -hmm. This needs to happen. And I say like when the team fully focus on the present, meaning that all that matters is delivering features, the result is very simple. Everyone uh, everyone is creating results and we are delivering features, but somebody else is building the future mm-hmm. because we are not looking at that. And there's the other extreme. When everyone focuses on the future and not building anything for the present, then someone else is building the present. And then we are just imagining the future. The beauty happens when we balance because then we can explore the future while building the present. So we prepare for that. And to make that happen, there is a dual track agile. I call it, there's an ambiguity. We need to look in the future, at the future and present. And what I like doing is what uh, Teresa Torres recommends. So having continuous discovery habits, for example, Mm. and set a trio, for example, product manager, UX designer, and a software engineer or whoever is necessary. And these people start working maybe three days a week, looking to the future, doing experiments and so on, saying what makes sense, what doesn't make sense. And when you find something that makes sense, you come together with the team and say, let's pursue that. So there is this differentiation. And sometimes when there are product managers and product owners, the product manager will be the one in the future and the product owner in the present. Mm-hmm. It's not easy to work this way because it's a, uh, unnatural to most people because the truth is as humans we like predictability we hate the unknown so we like to know what is going to happen when so if we are always stepping to the unknown forcing ourselves it means that uh, we need to remain with an open minded trying to uncover what we don't know because the truth is very hard we don't know what we don't know Exactly. And how do you approach then all these startups that you've worked on to to get through that unknown? What's your secret source there? I ask questions. So generally, someone in the startups, it's a, a cause like a, it's a rich source of ideas. Everyone has many ideas all the time. And then they come very excited about the idea. And most of the time, they would like to implement something. I'll give you an example. The other day, someone came to me and said, our solution for this is a chatbot. Look, there's ChatGPT, everything magic happening. Imagine we put that in our product and then that's it. Chatbot, everyone's going to use it. It's going to rock it. So let's build it. And I say, hold on. Mm-hmm. How do you know it's going to work? Which evidence do you have supporting that? Mm-hmm. 
you came up with this idea. What what happened when that clicked in your mind? So let's let's step back. And one thing that we can do is name the assumptions and say, what can we do right now? The fastest way to learn. The example of a chatbot is very easy. You do a, a Wizard of Oz, for example. Instead of building the whole thing, you can fake until you can make it. But this mm -hmm. is a, what Ash Mori likes saying from the Lean Startup. So you put a chatbot there. Instead of a chatbot, you put a chat, actually. And you put a smart person behind the chat. And you see how people would interact with the chatbot. And then maybe you actually are going to learn that nobody uses it or use mm -hmm. it in a totally different way. So you need to figure out how to test the ideas. But also it comes something quite interesting. It's not all ideas that is, are worth testing. So you need to see what, what will help you get closer to your vision. What connects your strategy? What connects your most pressuring goal right now? And mm -hmm. the ones that don't, then you should not pay attention to that. So that's why you need to ask questions. And I used to say that good product management is about saying no. But I now say that good product management is about helping the others say no to themselves. Mm -hmm. So because if you say no, you become a blocker. Yeah. So you are the one like, a, no, no. I, I did that several times, but then my boss would get too many emails <laughs> that I was a business blocker. So I figured out another way that I help people Reflect. Realize. Yeah, and realize that there's another way. Exactly. I, I love that. And asking questions and all those whys. Um, when it, one of the ones that I think I probably annoy my team with is they, they come to me with a pack and we'll talk about like different types of metrics. And one of them would be active customer. And the one thing I always ask is definitions. What is your definition? So similar to the why, it's what are you talking about? I want to be on the same page. So definitions, definitions, definitions. So that, <laughs> I think they're sick of me saying that, to be honest. But yeah, I, I, I love the curiosity, the curiosity to, to be able to get the best solution possible and not just walking in with the solution as well. That's great. And I like what you said about definitions because it's asking why without asking why. And one of the things that uh, I coach product managers is, yeah, you need to ask why, but be careful with the word why. Because many people know this technique, the five whys. But what is the problem of why? Why is challenging? You're going to put someone on the defensive mm -hmm. mode. You say, like, why do you think that? The person immediately, like, thinks, I'm being challenged. So I need to answer. So the person will go in a defensive mode. So I like saying, rephrase that with what or how. For example, how did you come to this idea? Let mm -hmm. me let me understand that. Or, ah, what is giving you the confidence for that? So what do you want to achieve with this? Mm -hmm. What makes this so important? And this shows curiosity because curiosity is the most important part, not the challenge itself. It's the learning. You want to learn. You want to be on the same page, everyone. Yeah, and, and especially bringing them on the journey as well so they feel part of it. Yes. That, that will get the whole team empowered to be able to push through anything difficult to get to the end. Mm -hmm. What other pitfalls have you ever come across? Because naturally you're going to have those ones where people feel like they're put against a wall when you start questioning them. But what other pitfalls have you seen when it comes to the lead type of position? Oh, generally, 
it is about the relationship with uh, business people. Mm. So it's very easy to fall into an anti-pattern I call as the stakeholder's puppet. So you mess up yes, the person. job. Yeah. Exactly. So you kind of you mess up. What is the real job? Because, for example, when I started my product owner career, uh, I remember my friends asking me, what do you do? I had a hard time explaining that. And I found my definition by saying, I bridge communication between business and tech. And I found that very nice because I could talk to both sides. What I didn't realize was I focus on the wants of business people while ignoring the needs from customers. Mm. The hard way we all learned that actually we created solutions that nobody needed. And sometimes actually such solutions cause problems instead of creating value. Mm. So this is one of the biggest pitfall is uh, collaboration. So collaborating with business people to become partners because uh when i generally say is stakeholders business people they are not your enemies they are also not your customers so you need to be careful unless you have an internal product which is different like to establish partnerships with them because it's very unlikely that a product lead product manager whatever the name will have all the required knowledge to create value as if you look at the Let's take a, an e-commerce, for example. You have so many things there. There would be operations, finance, accounting, legal aspects. The product manager won't know everything, but the new partner with the others to create value together. And it's not about pleasing them. It's about going toward the same direction. A hundred percent. And I think it's one of the things that's lacking is some of that relationship building or not knowing who to build a relationship with, particularly if you're building a team from scratch for the first time or just first being introduced to the role. Finding out who the right people in the zoo is, is critical for success. Yes. Now, I, I've, I've had my own ups and downs on that one as well. <laughs> I learned very fast. I don't tell people what to do. I bring them on the journey. Don't listen to that manager that tells you to tell people what to do. Do it your way and be empathetic. <laughs> don't just trust that they're right. <laughs> I learned that the hard way. Um, I know you love product management. You're writing a book right now, which I'm super excited to see in the near future. But what excites you most about product management? about the possibility of making the lives of someone better than what it is. So I think the result of product management is making the world that you are in a little bit better. So it's quite exciting about creating the new, uh, reimagining the future, striving something. So I like this journey exactly. Uh, remember, for example, when I joined one of the startups in Brazil, Selling second-hand cars in Brazil is complicated. There are frauds, it's bureaucratic, uh, and you can be scammed, so it's quite hard. Then they start to have the, the idea of, let's make it simple. Let's uh, remove all the bureaucracy. And the value proposition was, we sell you, uh, we sell your car in one hour. You come to us, we inspect, and then we put in an auction platform and car dealers all over Brazil can compete for that. 
So it was a triple win situation wow. because also car dealers struggled to find cars they would like to buy. And we started changing how the secondhand car market in Brazil took place. I remember when I joined, the company would sell like a, would make six deals a month. And when I left, which was not that uh, a long time I stay there, it was just eight months. Um, but eight months in a startup is quite something. And uh, we started uh, selling 2,000 cars in a month. Wow. So, and I was like, wow, it's in, from six to 2,000 in, uh, in just eight months. And that uh, made the, at least 2,000 people per month way happier than they were. They would just go there, they would sell their car for fair price and without any bureaucracy, we would handle everything. So these kind of things is what motivated me. Mm. Seeing that change would have been huge as well because you know that impact there within that short amount of time. Yeah. Oh, that that's, that's amazing. I love that example. And it's something I've never heard of as well. Maybe other countries need to be doing something similar because it sounds like it really fills a need out there to save people time. And also dealers' time, and then they know they've got the right car to sell on. It's just got so many positive things that come out of that in all different directions. Yeah. And for example, here in Germany, I I wanted to sell my car. So I, I went through all of this. I put a, a, a web portal there, and I got some offers, but then I need to negotiate with the person. It cost me a lot of time. I said, mm-hmm. ah, okay, it's not working. So I'm going to drive to a car dealer. Then you need to go there physically. And then the car dealer is going to make you a bad offer mm-hmm. because the it's generally it's hard for them. They are buying your car, so they take the risk. Then I went to another car dealer and I said, this one gave me already this offer. Then I said, okay, I can make you a little bit better. In general, I realized that I spent at least uh, 20 hours to get my car sold. And uh, 20 hours, I could have been doing something else. So this time you don't get back and you just don't mm-hmm. see it because you are trying when I was in Brazil, I had to sell. I just drove there. One hour later, the car was sold and I didn't have to deal with any document. Yes, it, that is a, a, fan, a fantastic example of how thinking a different way on how to do something can bring a beautiful solution no one thought of before. Yeah. Now, I, I do like auctions as well, <laughs> particularly when they're for shiny things. <laughs> we, we like competition. That's cool. Exactly. It's part of our nature, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I have a question I ask everybody, and I did prepare you for this one. So hopefully you have had a chance to think about it. But when you're thinking about brand and yourself, what brand best represents you and why? It's quite interesting. I, I had an answer I prepared for that, but I'm changing. I was about <laughs> to say Apple mm-hmm. because of all the quality and everything around and the smoothness. But then I changed to a totally different one that has nothing to do with electronics. Uh, And I changed to Boss. And it's funny because I used to hate the word Boss and Mm -hmm. uh, because I I didn't like that. But the reason I like the brand Boss is because once I, it's high quality and so on, but there was one thing, be the boss of your life. And I have always been thinking like this. When I worked for a company and I didn't do any consulting in the past. I would just work for a company. I would say that the company is my biggest client, but as of now, I just have one. And I would always consider myself as my own boss. And mm-hmm. I was there to learn. And I never like a, 
I was I was never afraid of speaking my mind to anyone who was in the room. Doesn't matter if it's a C level or whoever it is, because I always thought we are all people, and uh, of course I'm going to respect, and I know that there are hierarchies, but I always treated myself as the boss of my own life. Yeah, and uh, and I, I like the brand because uh, of this authenticity and being authentic be yourself and exactly. be your own boss don't let the others tell you what to do you should be the one that, uh, driving and if you accept someone telling what to do it's because you accepted that so mm. don't complain you accept it i love that i love you went on a journey for this as well to find what really fitted into you and examples that really resonate with you as well so i think that's a really good brand example for you Thank you for sharing that. Is there any other final thoughts that you'd love to share with us about, about product management and in particular anything maybe about technology you'd like to end with? Sure. Generally, I like telling people, don't focus on the process. Focus on the learning. Because what I see happening quite often, many people ask me, what is the best framework to work with? What are the top-notch techniques of product management? I say, it doesn't matter. Because all places you go are different. What is important is you have the ability of recognizing what you can do in your situation. And think about this thing you can do today for a better tomorrow. Start small. Think on gradual increments because these are the things that are going to move the needle. And that's what I recommend people. Go on a journey. Go on a place and accept. There's no single place on earth that will be high. It's like perfect for product management, but there are many places with opportunities. Enjoy the journey. I love that. I love that so much. And you've shared so much with us as well today, David. I'm so thankful. Um, first off, don't think about product owners and product managers as different people. They can be what's called maybe a product lead, maybe out there. Something different where it could be a hybrid and the best of both worlds coming together. And utilizing and empowering smaller teams so that they can actually achieve more goals. Don't be afraid to ask questions. And just if you're a bit worried about your audience, just reposition that question of why to something that's more inviting for them to answer in an open way. Relationships are key. Ensure that you build those relationships and it's part of really a partnership. You're there together to build. And when you do start, you don't be afraid to start small because it will grow and grow and everything's a journey to where it might end up one day with a fantastic new product on the market. So thank, thank you again, David. I really appreciated your time. Uh, and everyone else, don't forget to follow More to Marketing for more fantastic guests on these podcasts. More to Marketing.